Hi, I'm Hillary Kennedy in the Market Scale Studios, and today on In the Cloud, I have with me Brian Pagano, the Chief Catalyst at Axway. And Axway helps companies move forward faster and create brilliant digital experiences using their Amplify API management platform and proven MFT and B2B integration solutions. Today, we're going to be talking about the concept of open everything as it pertains to the cloud. So, Brian, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so you say that it is time for organizations to open everything and move to an API-first world. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, it seems like kind of a provocative statement, right? Uh, because in business, we, we've kind of been led to believe that open is bad or has some kind of negative connotations. Doesn't mean we're going to have security breaches and isn't that the exact opposite of what we want to do? And, and a lot of businesses are coming from traditional industries. They're very security focused. Everybody's brand reputation focused. And so this concept can, can seem kind of startling and shocking. But of course, we're not saying expose yourself to security risks or open the doors for, for anybody to come in. What we're saying is that if you look at the most valuable companies in the world today, just by market cap, they are not the same companies as 25 years ago. 25 years ago, they were the big car makers and petroleum companies, companies like that. The top companies in the most valuable companies in the world today are you know, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Google, you know, these companies, and they all have something very specific in common, and that's that they're all platforms. They all tie their success to other entities' success, whether it's a different division or subsidiary or partner or third party or whomever they have essentially opened their business and made it a consumable platform. And so when we say open everything, that's really what we're trying to get across is make your business into a consumable platform that allows you to participate in this fantastic uh, you know, uh, platform effects that everybody else is getting. And it's not just a hypothetical. Like I said, you just need to look at the most valuable companies in the world, what the winners are doing in 2021 is they are turning their businesses into consumable platforms. And that's kind of the essence of what we mean by open everything. I know it's, 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 it is a bit provocative and not super clear at first listen. I love that angle. And you, know, you bring, bring up a good point about some of those big companies. You know, the ones that are the real winners are very open to change. We know a lot of people and organizations can be very slow to change. And many organizations continue to work with systems that are older than a decade or more. So what are the implications of continuing to rely on an existing heritage infrastructure? Well, I think we've all experienced it, right? We have um, an insurance company where we have three different logins for different kinds of insurance we have with them or some government agency where it's, it you know, feels like you're using fax machines. And, and, and I mean, when I was on Wall Street, we had systems that were honestly 40 plus years old in, in wow. production. And so I don't think that's atypical. I don't think businesses should, should feel embarrassed about this, but you have to deal with the reality. So if that's your reality and that's where your revenue is coming today, there's no magic pause button that's gonna say, okay, world stop for a few months while we rip this out and do something else. That's not an option. But at the same time, users, employees, partners, customers, everyone is voting with the apps that are on their phone, with the apps that are on their browser. And if your apps are coming from a 40-year-old system or even a 10-year-old system, even a five-year-old system, it may not be a great experience. And user experience is the way people are voting right now. You've got to reduce that friction. So essentially, that's the challenge of almost every modern company is how do we keep the revenue coming in, keep 
you know, with these old systems we got in the back end and still provide these fantastic frictionless self-service oriented app centric kind of experiences that everybody wants today. And, you know, I'm probably biased on this since I've been in the, the API world for, for many years, but you know, the APIs are, are probably the best way to do that because it simply, it simply decouples those backend systems from the experiences that people are having on the front end and allows you the breathing room to then slowly modernize your back end while still providing those fantastic modern experiences up front. Okay, so then that brings me to the question, what are some ways that organizations today can unlock opportunities using their heritage infrastructure? Yeah, so when I talk to, you know, I, I sometimes joke that my, my job is a corporate therapist, like a therapist at, at the corporate, corporate level. And one of the most common complaints I hear from them is that they are siloed by budget codes, their people, their data, their systems. And you, you'll ask, well, wouldn't it be nice if when I went to your website, I could sign up for this and buy this, like the various things that you offer? So, oh, yeah, that'd be fantastic, Brian but those are different systems. Those are different budget codes. And so that's one of the most common complaints is they just, they can't go to market together. They can't do, they can't, there may be some partner they want to work with. And so, yeah, I kind of, I kind of anticipated the answer here is that if you put some kind of facade in front of the, the yucky details, right? All the little proprietary things, the things that have accreted over the years, all those backend systems and stop forcing every partner or every other division to learn all the intricacies of every other part of the company and instead have some kind of lingua franca. So just some kind of standard way to intercommunicate and interoperate between the, the lines of business and partners. Well, that solves a lot of problems without having that magic pause button and having to rip and replace because let's face it, that's not a very realistic way of approaching business. Right. Well, I want to um, segue into some stats for you. So according to a recent survey, 65% of respondents reported wanting to be full-time remote employees post-pandemic, 31% want a hybrid remote work environment, um, and 96% desire some form of remote work. So a lot of companies, I would say most companies, are grappling with the new norm of remote work and having virtual teams but you have an app that can help with that. What is the Griffin app and then how does it work? Yeah, the Griffin app is, is just an example of eating our own, own dog food, drinking our own champagne, whichever, whichever metaphor you like. <laughs> as you pointed out, I, t I tell a lot of CIOs right now that anything you're working on that's not related to self-service or remote transactions and experience, you're probably working on the wrong things. And we're no different, right? And so we said, well, if we're, if we are, you know, coaching other companies in this, you know, we, we have to live this too. We happen to be a very distributed company. We have uh, headquarters in Paris and Phoenix. We have, uh, I don't know, we're in 17 different countries, something like that. And, and we're tiny by, by the, you know, the scope of some other companies. So their problems are just, you know, an order of magnitude greater. Well, we're living, because it, it's not just, as you pointed out, it's of course people find themselves more productive in certain environments versus others. And when you're at home without all the distractions, it turns out you can be a lot more productive. Of course, just the commutes in most part of the world, just that alone gives you an hour or two back a day. People are gonna to wanna to continue uh, to do that. But there's also health concerns, right? There's also how many people are in the office. If I do feel like I need to go to the office today, how many other people are gonna be in my part of the office today? Is it safe to be there or not? These were some of the questions that we were facing. And so we solved it ourselves. We built an app. Of course, 
we did it with APIs because that's what we do and that's what we tell everybody to do. We basically put APIs in front of our, our backend systems and we provided this to HR. We really tried to solve our own HR department's problems. Like how would you want to keep our people safe? What do our employees need to be productive, to know what's safe and not safe, and to still interact in a way that, that, that's highly productive? And then we said, well, if we're doing this and we're solving these problems, I guess probably most companies are facing the same issues. So why not just make it open source? Why not just make it available? Because it's API driven, like we talked about, it's, it's not proprietary to anything that we're doing at Axway, which means that other companies can use it and customize it for their own needs. And, and that's what's been happening. So yeah, can you give us an example of that? Because I mean, like you said, developers from other organizations can easily adapt it to their own local environment. Yeah, because obviously if we had hardwired it for our own physical offices, and you know scheduling systems things like that it wouldn't apply to to any other company but because it's api driven right it's just the fact that that we've got a presentation layer that will allow you to plug into whatever kind of conferencing and scheduling system you've got on the back end or whatever kind of specific policies your your hr department wants to uh to enforce or to broadcast and so because APIs are, it's one of the reasons why I love APIs is because they're so agnostic to any specific vendor or proprietary system on the back end or, or you know, customer uh, custom things that they've built. It allows you to plug this in very quickly. And so some other companies have started plugging it into their own scheduling systems, their own calendar systems, uh, their own HR systems. And, you know, it's just, it's just a little bit of good that we could put back into the world during this, during this challenging time. Yeah, I love that. It gives a lot of people peace of mind. You just feel better about going to work and feeling safe. And uh, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. That's great. So you did mention that um, you're across 17 countries. So using Griffith in your organization, how is it working for you on such a large scale like that? Well, it's interesting, right? Because when you think about the physics of the problem, we have most of those offices are relatively small compared to, you know, say, Phoenix and 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 Paris, but the magnitude of the safety issue is the same, right? If three people show up at a tiny office or 300 people show up at a large office, right? The cubic meter is about the same per person. You have this, about the same kind of risk of exposure from COVID or whatever, or, or possibly just not even having conference rooms available. Uh, and so, so it's, it's interesting that it doesn't, the, the magnitude doesn't really change whether it's a big office or a, or a small regional office. And we found it's working really well, right? Because the problem tends to be looked at at a very macro level. So most companies would say, well, we have X number of people at the Chicago office today. But is that truly helpful to you? Or do you need to know how many people are on your floor or using the same wing or same area that you are? That's really what matters, right? For I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I can't you know, swear that that's what's most important with COVID, but I do believe it's the, the proximity exposure that, that's important. And it's certainly that way for office resources for, you know, uh, conference rooms and things like that. So, so we tried to take that approach to solve the problem in the real world versus this kind of macro level abstract. It actually is not that important to me how many people are at a particular location. It matters to me how many people are in my immediate surroundings. That's awesome. That's a great approach that Axway has taken. It's super helpful, and I'm glad to hear that it's working so well uh, in, in every office that you've implemented the app. That's fantastic. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a lot of fun talking to you. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, absolutely. You can tell I get fired up about this stuff. I just, I just love helping businesses to figure some of this out because it just seems so impossible. We've got all this old stuff, 
everyone's demanding that we have this fantastic experience. How do we get from point A to point B? And that's what wakes me up in the morning. It's just helping customers get through this. Well, I love it. Your enthusiastic uh, attitude is very contagious. <laughs> well, thank you very much again. And this is all we have for this episode of In the Cloud. Please join me next time. Again, I'm your host, Hillary Kennedy, and we'll see you then.